Hello everyone. Welcome to Lost Rhetoric, a dim space for light hearts where we discuss all manner of odd. My name is Jason Dingus. I am your host. Uh, thank you for being here with me. Thanks to all return listeners and to all new listeners. Boy, do we got one for you tonight. JPX is my guest. You might remember JPX. He was on uh, my 11th episode where we talked about highly evolved beings from um, the uh, Conversations with God trilogy, the original trilogy. And he was also the host of, uh, or one of the hosts of Post Rhetoric, uh, a show that used to uh, air after every one of my episodes. It was kind of like my after show, but they stopped doing it, unfortunately. But maybe if you, uh, you, you, you cause enough noise... Maybe they'll they'll pick it back up again because I I surely hope they do. But he is currently the co-host uh, of the Degenerate Life podcast with uh, stuntman Mike and Cody Cluen. Uh So he's joining me tonight to talk. Um, it's, it's psychedelic deaths. I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, we we talk a lot about, and this is a, a warning here. We talk a lot about suicide um and a lot of these cases that we're talking about tonight uh were either caused by or or rumored to be caused by uh the use of lsd um and they're they're mainly from the 60s 50s and 60s old cases historical cases that kind of shaped the culture around uh lsd and psychedelia in general Uh, so we we talk about some historic cases and just you know just to get it out there like we are we're having a good time with it we're we're, we're light-hearted about these these cases because sometimes uh more times than not we actually think there's no lsd involved they're either um actual accidental deaths or suicides or murder it could be murder in some of these cases uh but we're you know we're not making light of suicide obviously but we are having a good time, so don't hold that against us. Um, because, you know, you'd be a fucking idiot to be making fun of something as heinous as uh, suicide. So, you know, don't come at me for that, please. Please, that was not our intention. Uh, so that's what we're going to get into tonight. Uh, last episode, uh, Johnny Brook from the band Coffin Apartment joined me. And we had a really fun discussion about Coral Castle and Edward Lead Scalnin, 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 however you want to say it, down in there, down in Florida there. That was uh, an instant classic in my mind. That was super fun. So if you haven't checked that out, go check out LR062, Coral, Coral Castle with Johnny Brooke. I would greatly appreciate that. And um, let's talk shop real quick. Uh, leave a review. Hit that like button. Hit that sub- subscribe button. Tell all your friends. Uh, yeah, just wherever you can leave a comment, wherever you can leave a, a glowing review, uh, however you can spread the word about this show, I would greatly appreciate that. It helps with the visibility of the show and helps spread the word. The more you talk about this show online, uh, the better, right? Uh, and, you know, find me on social media, Instagram, at Lost Rhetoric Podcast, Twitter, at lost underscore rhetoric and the website lostrhetoric.com and please visit the shop and buy some things buy some things i need money i need money all right that's just the the bottom line so if you could help me out if you enjoy the show 
uh, hit that shop and buy some stuff. Uh, and oh, 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 yeah, email. Just email me, man. Lost Rhetoric Podcast at gmail.com if you got anything to say. So let's get into what we always get into. What am I listening to? Well, Conway the Machine, who I've mentioned multiple times because he comes out with an EP or an LP every like four months, it seems. He has a new full-length album out called God Don't Make Mistakes. Uh, and it's good. I'm not going to say it's my favorite of his that I've ever heard, but it's good. He's consistently good. So listen to that. Uh, hooray for the Riff Raff. She has a new record called Life on Earth. And I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I just got started and it's really good. I really like her. Uh, I was really into her last album from, uh, I guess, four or five years ago called The Navigator. Uh, it's She's really good. I don't want to say it's like synth pop, but it's synth, synthy, kind of darkish, but also fun pop music it's really good um and the collins kids this is a wacky when i saw some video of this kind of young girl and her little brother playing a double neck guitar just going wild dancing around and it's kind of a little corny but they're 50s and 60s rockabilly um and yeah they got songs like hop skip and jump and rock bopping baby and beetle bug bop and soda popping around shit like that you know uh, but it's fun. It's high energy. It's it's kind of corny, but the videos are cool. If you if you look up some videos of the Collins kids, they're they were entertaining, right? I think they're still playing, honestly. Um, and the last thing I've been listening to is the Sadies, and I've listened to them a little bit before, but I didn't really dig too deep. I heard of them years ago from Neil Young's book Waging Heavy Peace. He mentioned them and how he was a fan. They're a Canadian band. And unfortunately, their guitar player, Dallas Good, just passed away unexpectedly. Uh, I think he was only 48 years old. And man, the guitar work in this band is phenomenal. It is a pretty big loss. They're a really good band. They kind of started out kind of surfy, country style. And the latest album, or their latest release that I've heard is like just straight psychedelic rock. It's really great stuff. So listen to the Sadies and uh, support them any way you can. They just lost a legend. Um, and also, in sad news, a Portland legend, Sam Henry, passed away. He's the drummer in the Wipers, who are, to me, bar none, the greatest Portland band of all time. And there's no debate. Uh, the Wipers were and are the greatest Portland band ever to have existed. And he was also in Napalm Beach, and he was currently in Jenny Don't in the Spurs, and he was always doing something, uh, multiple projects. I didn't personally know the guy. I think I met him once. Um, but, yeah, he was a friend to so many friends and an absolute legend. I got to see him play. Dude is great, great drummer. And from everyone I know, just a great dude. And, we, you know, the city and the world lost uh a great guy sam henry rest in peace and uh that is um what i've been listening to oh and that being said yeah obviously check just listen bump the wipers and uh, napalm beach and jenny don't and all all of the sam henry bands just blast them out of respect right uh so yeah yeah that is what i've been listening to all right let's get into call me crazy this week, Grace Bigler joins me. You might remember her. She's been on the show a few times. She's got a, a an interesting little ghost story that she's going to tell here. So, so here we go. Here's me and Grace. Call me crazy, but 
I had an experience once with what I believe was a ghost. Okay. Ghost story. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a ghost story, and I'm I don't necessarily like now as an adult believe in ghosts. Like, I this this experience happened to me as a child, which uh, I think at that time I was a lot more open open minded mm-hmm. <laughs> to the possibility. Um, but okay, I'll tell you what happened, and I'm aware I have a time I have a time limit <laughs> here. Well, don't waste any of it. <laughs> um, so when I was growing up, my mom worked in, she worked in antiques, like a state, she did estate sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of, part of that world is sometimes you got to um, schmooze and network at, at, at parties and events and things. Um, so one time, I think I must've been, fourth fifth maybe sixth grade mm-hmm. um she took me to one of these uh for me as a child dry as fuck antique warehouse parties um there were some snacks on a table i remember but um my main objective in this environment it was it was in a warehouse full of antiques that had like um really big um uh shelving units like really long um basically i snuck away from the main um schmoozing area where all the adults were and kind of found my way weaseled my way into like a little hiding area Mm -hmm. um surrounded you know on all sides by by this crazy collection of of old shit okay and um I remembered sitting on like an upholstered uh, bench. I wouldn't call it a couch. It was not very comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I sat in this space and I was kind of tucked away inside of one of these little like areas. You couldn't see me. Um, But I had this distinct feeling, a sensation on the top of my hand of the shape okay i'm gonna try to describe this it it felt like someone put their hand on top of my hand okay um but the sensation on my skin was like it wasn't like a pressure it was um it felt like really cool wind blowing across my skin in the shape of a hand interesting yeah, it was very um like rubbing your hand maybe or n- passing no, through your hand. <laughs> no, not not passing through. There was no like um friction. It was like you know how when you set your hand on top of someone's arm to like comfort them or something like that. Okay. There's no r- back and forth or anything. It's just like a little pat. Mm-hmm. Um I just felt someone place their hand on top of my hand and uh my my reaction to it was interesting. Like I said, I was a kid. I was a little bit more open to the idea. I didn't feel malicious in any way. It was just like a little greeting. And my reaction was like, I, I felt a chill 
uh, but I didn't feel scared. I kind of was like, hello, <laughs> you know. Um, you au audibly said hello out loud? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was such a, like, little sincere little kid it, that mm -hmm. I probably did say hello. <laughs> right. That was very much in my nature, but that I think is my only um, experience with ghosts that I feel like, yeah, that, that really happened. I didn't make it up. Um, it, it, it's a very like distinct memory and I, d I did feel like, I think I did leave that little space that I found, that little nook, and went and told my mom, and she was like, oh, yeah, well, we're in an antique warehouse. Like, of course, there's fucking ghosts in here. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she acknowledged that. <laughs> Just imagine any other parent, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Shut the uh, hell up, yeah. <laughs> but your mom's like, yeah, well, of course, duh. Duh. <laughs> 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 which is so yeah. funny that's so funny yeah were there was there any um like did you did you get a vision of mm. who the person might be or was it it was just a sensation like there was no no other accompanying accompanying uh like sensory uh, experience. yeah yes anything that smells or <laughs> Mm. no 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 other there was no visual it was just like it was so unique that the sense of like someone like blowing lightly on my skin but it was just in this isolated shape it, it didn't cover my whole hand you know what i mean it was right. like it was so distinct okay and it felt pretty obvious to me and obvious to my mom i guess uh what the fuck had happened <laughs> so do you do you do you think it had something to do uh with the piece of furniture you were sitting on specifically or the building mm. you were in i i do think that there there was some credence to what my mom had said that like we're in a, a space full of old stuff and um especially at the time you know i'm a little bit more skeptical of things like this now uh but in my magical child mind i was like yeah that it, it could have been the thing i was sitting on it could have been like an object near me um but i was just like a super sensitive little kid walking through all of this old stuff and um yeah maybe maybe a an entity or or a spirit associated with one of those objects um felt compelled to make some kind of connection with me because obviously i was i was open to it mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean it was so long ago i don't know if you remember what your emotional state was at the moment but is it the comfort you needed did you get mm -hmm. what you needed did you mm -hmm. Or was it just this unsolicited, like, moment where it was just weird? That's a really good question. Um, I think I felt, like, a bit lonely. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I needed, whether I was able to accept it 
in that way or not was like a feeling of connection um which you know whether I was afraid of it or or not which um I think I was a little bit freaked out but um yeah there was there was a connection that was made and I and I received it did you feel better after or was it you (laughs) freaked the fuck out I think I felt a little better. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking on like a bigger scale than I think you're asking these questions on. Like in the moment, I don't know that I felt better, but I think in the bigger picture of my life, it was like, oh, you're, you you feel a bit lonely. Well, you're, you're receptive and open to things on an, on a, on a different plane of reality. And that, Mm -hmm. that's pretty special. But in the, in the moment it was just like, oh, that was interesting. Yeah, I think so. Totally normal to your mom. (laughs) Totally normal to my mom. Like, why are you why are you bringing this up to me? (laughs) Because literally everyone here has experienced that multiple (laughs) times. What is it? It is. I I want to know what piece of furniture you were sitting on and Mm. what its history was, because that's automatically what I go to is Mm -hmm. what entity what spirit is if there's anything attached to that uh piece of furniture or that building but that piece of furniture specifically especially if it's you know really old i don't know yeah has a sort of sorted history i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised either but grace you're fucking crazy because <laughs> <laughs> that's 10 minutes and i appreciate you sharing that story with me all right there it is uh what do you think about that you ever experienced anything like that i haven't it's kind of weird um yeah I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't know what to do uh but it would definitely stick with me like it stuck with grace um so hopefully you enjoyed that if uh if you got a story to tell Hit me up. I don't even have to know you. Email me. LostRhetoricPodcast at gmail.com. Find me on the social medias. Uh, If you got a story to tell, maybe you can tell it on the show. Um, So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me up, everyone. Okay, let's get into this conversation with me and JPX. Again, we're talking uh, deaths surrounding uh, the usage of LSD. Here we go. There he is. Can you hear me? Yeah. JPX. Yeah. How you doing? Is this the beginning of the show? Yeah, dude. I record from the jump. (laughs) And it sounds like shit because I can hear myself. And you don't seem to be in front of a microphone and you don't have anything hooked up. But you, but you are wearing a lost rhetoric shirt, so all is forgiven. Okay, cool. All right, I've got my headset on now. Let's do oh, it. No, I mean that sounds better already. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, so let's get it going. What are we doing here today? Um, good question. Uh, I was just gonna. I was just. I was just gonna let you take it away. Okay. Well, I was gonna talk about. <laughs> I was going to talk about LSD and psychedelic drugs and some crazy things that have happened 
some mysterious things sometimes that have happened uh, concerning that right there. Yeah. What do you want? So what do you want to talk about first? Jumpers? <laughs> well, it, it depends. I mean, do you want to go chronologically or do you kind of have an order in your head that uh, has like a, a compelling thread that you, that you you know where to start and where you want to end kind of thing? Well, I guess chrono- chronologically, the first one is 1953. I was going to talk about people that have jumped to their death uh, as a result of taking LSD. Allegedly. Or, or yeah, or did they? <laughs> um, so, first off, I just want to say uh, uh, this is not anti-LSD talk. I think overall LSD and psychedelics are very good for humanity, but just like any great product, they're very bad for some people. Okay. So I was going to talk about Frank Olson first, probably, you know, many of your millions of listeners know about Frank Olson and how he was in the CIA and how he allegedly took LSD at a retreat out of what is it? Deep, deep Creek Lake or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then ended up jumping out of a 10 story window or whatever. Allegedly. Yes. <laughs> uh, but what, I mean, what really happened is that he knew a lot of dark secrets in the CIA. He wanted out. He was very vocal against the CIA and, and they were not going to let him go what were the what were the secrets just a lot of chemical weapons secrets and stuff and you know we were just doing a lot of nasty nasty stuff like experimental shit like experimenting on people yeah basically yeah well like just really nasty chemical weapons i think maybe some of them were used japan or something Uh, yeah biological warfare during the uh korean war there you go and, and that's what it was i guess he knew about yeah torture shit and executions and whatever yeah he knew he was privy to some uh not so uh whatever like it, it would the the u.s military and u.s government would get a bad yelp review exactly with these instances these incidences which he is he knows about yeah, I think that's how the newspapers reported it at the time. You're exactly right. Yeah, 1953. Bad yeah. U.S. government receives first bad Yelp review. Yeah. I, one Mr. Frank Olson. I, I've read the articles. But uh, so everybody should just go watch Wormwood. It'll make it pretty right. clear. He didn't kill himself. He was pushed out of the window because he knew too much and they couldn't just let somebody a dissident just run the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause he, he was, he was, bl- he was getting loud and vocal and he knew too much and he wanted out and he was going to, he was going to be a whistleblower. Exactly. He was blowing that whistle. Exactly. This is the height of the cold war. They weren't having that. They weren't having that shit, but he was also a part of MK ultra. Was he not? Uh, I forget. Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. He was he so he wasn't oh no oh, okay he was 
he was dosed by Gottlieb, who was the head of MK Ultra. Right. Okay, that's the connection. Yeah. Okay. So he was dosed by Sidney Gottlieb, and then nine days later jumped from the window at Hotel Statler in in yeah. Maryland, I believe. Yeah. Oh, you know what's funny is if you uh, I've seen the uh there's directions that they gave him or somebody, I think it was him, his actual directions, you know, because back then you didn't have maps. It was like go down you, route, <laughs> they route, had you they know. had maps, JPX. They had maps. Ma- um, they, didn't anyway, have, they didn't have Google Maps. Anyway, it says <laughs> it says go through Winchester, Virginia. And that's written out. Yes, one on eighty one. I guess I don't remember how it. Uh, I guess it depends it on yeah where you got to go. There's many roads that head to all the yeah uh-huh. the DC area. Yeah, I'll send it to you though. But it it but Winchester is a part of the uh, his directions. Wow. So he drove he drove through Winchester on his way to that fateful evening. Damn. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, but there's a lot of contra- I don't think he even was given LSD, or you know what I mean. You don't. You you think that was all part of the? Because we'll get mm-hmm. into it. We'll get into it with some of these stories. It seems like since LSD was um, so uh scary and misunderstood that it seems like it was used as a scapegoat mm-hmm. either by the government or people committing heinous crimes and using LSD as their excuse whatever it's yep. just like the freakiness and the fu- it, it, it fucked me up or it fucked them up and there's no mm-hmm. way you can really disprove it uh, you know this is they were high on LSD so they did this crazy shit and you could get away with that back then yeah exactly these people are uh, so it- frightened yeah. And a lot of times when the government is, they know, they know the jig is up. Everybody knows they're lying about something. They'll admit to something not as bad as the truth. So you're like, okay, they, that's bad. They admitted it, but no, that, the truth is actually way worse than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this is an example of that, but um, I don't know. Frank Olson was uh, the first LSD suicide jumper. Yeah, because that's pretty much we're basically talking about almost all jumpers tonight. There's I mean, there's not they're not all, but a lot of jumpers. And I guess that's um, adds to the lore because the beginning of LSD in American culture was just riddled with stories of people jumping out of windows. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Whether it's real or not, it's forever linked and it, it takes decades for uh, society to, to forget that, or at least come to terms with the fact that it's not really true, but you believe you tend to believe it, right? Yeah. That'll never go away. Probably. In fact, it was a part of uh, Bill Hicks bit. You remember when Bill Hicks was like, you never hear a good LSD story. All you hear is, uh, man on LSD thinks he can fly, jumps out a window. What a tragedy! What an asshole! He should have taken off from the ground first, see if it would work. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually one yeah, of you gotta tell you gotta test it out, man. You just don't, yeah, go completely nuts off the 10th, the 10th floor, yeah, exactly. So, 
it's and it still lasts to this day. You'll never get rid of that, probably. Well, I mean, maybe, but but anyway. So I don't know. You want to talk any more about Frank Olson or? Um, no, but yeah, this this he was back in 1953, and a lot of people don't even. I don't really associate LSD with the early 50s, really. I mean, because it was such a cultural phenomenon in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of often forget that it it, it it existed in the 50s. But yeah, 1953, um, Mysterious Death, probably, like you said, that, that Netflix series, uh, Wormwood. Who directed that? I don't know. I forget his fucking name. Sorry. But I, I did watch it. Um, yeah. It's phenomenal. Essentially, didn't his son, Eric Olson, mm-hmm. have a lot to mm-hmm. do with that? Oh, yeah. Um, he was in it. Yeah. Uh, because they just don't they just don't fucking believe that their father did that. They believe he he actually was murdered and the CIA fucking covered it up. It was just yeah. whatever. That that's that's it. And they just blame it on CIA or uh blame it on LSD. So um yeah, that's yeah, let's move on from Frank, the uh the uh what do you call it? The um the OG the, the OG, the torchbearer, the the fucking whatever of lsd suicide slash well just let's just say deaths yes um and chronologically if we're going chronologically who's next after 1953 who's the next big one the next one that i'm aware of is 1966 vernon cox vernon cox yeah Uh, yeah yeah okay yeah what's up with vernon yeah well so he was a he was 20 years old, went to Berkeley and, you know, he went to see Timothy Leary speak mm-hmm. and took LSD and then. Cause he was inspired. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. As, a, as the whole generation was inspired by Timothy Leary and, and many other people, not just Leary, mm-hmm. but he just happened to have seen Leary like that day or something, I think. And, um, According to his friend, I guess who was there, he said that he was in touch with reality one minute and the next minute he said, well, as long as I'm going on a trip, I think I'll go to Europe. Then he ran into his bedroom and plunged through a closet or closed window to the street below and he died instantly. That's a theme too. Yeah. Through the through the window not not he did, i mean i don't know if he opened it does that what do they mean by through the window but anyway uh, yeah when, whenever they say through the window i assume it's through the glass um right but I, I i don't know in this particular case but that does seem to be a theme of some of these jumpers like jumping a, a few of them jump through closed windows like like in the fucking movies man yeah like jump oh man have you ever it's been years but uh there's that mini series on tv the the ice storm or the Mm-mm. something like that i think it was like the ice storm it was i feel like it's a stephen king thing I, I i could be totally butchering this but i remember it took place in the 60s or 70s early 70s or something and i remember there was a teenage boy and there was a party at his parents' house, and I think he was on acid. And he walked through their sliding glass 
door and like slit his throat accidentally and fucking died. That doesn't sound true. Yeah, well, you know, no, it's, I mean it's it's a work of fiction. I'm just saying it yeah. was a it was a part of the series that I watched because he oh. was he was just like a little hippie kid and he was probably like 16, 17 years old and he was high on acid and he came or mm. weed or both or whatever and came to the party and was so fucked up he walked through the glass sliding door and it accidentally cut, slit his throat and he died. <laughs> First off, how do you walk through a plate glass? You just oh no, yeah, <laughs> it happens. It happens all the time. You see YouTube videos of it. This shit happens. I mean, and you, you can know, run, run I've, through it. But I, I've personally seen you walk through screen doors. That's, That's just, true. Just imagine if it's glass. Yeah, hey, you hit it at the right spot. It's just going to shatter, right? Anyway, yeah. that's. I'm sure that scene was inspired by a lot of the fear that surrounded LSD at the time it was written. But anyway. Vern Cox jumping through a, uh, a window in 1966 in Berkeley. He went to yep. UC Berkeley. Yep. There's more coming for that, but, but yeah, his, uh, his parents after he died sued Timothy Leary and won the judgment for, I believe a hundred thousand dollars in that crazy in the early seven. Yeah. And so Le- I, Leary I, was in jail when this happened, right? He, uh, when, when he died, when he got sued, when he got, he was in jail when he got sued. Right. Yeah. I think so. Right. But when, yeah, I mean, he was out when he died cause he died shortly after he saw him speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he got sued so, from jail and then eventually had to pay a hundred thousand dollars to the parents. Yeah. There's no, I, I can't see any evidence whether or not he actually paid. Oh, I don't know how okay. that works. You know, I don't, I think a lot of times when you get sued, even if you, even if you, they win, you don't even have to pay. I I don't know. Donald Trump knows all about it. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. He owes billions. God. In theory. Um, Yeah. So that was 1966. Vern Cox takes acid after being influenced by timothy leary right falls to his death parents sue and he he's ordered to pay a hundred thousand dollars that's pretty pretty unprecedented right like to sue someone to i mean like drug dealers don't even get charged with murder even if it's or any sort of crime when it's proven that they sold drugs to a person that od'd you know what i mean like that's kind of wild that he is held accountable uh but right. that, that was the fervor of the day i guess hopefully they'll use the vernon cox uh case to <laughs> to uh to get donald trump for january 6th <laughs> yeah right you know what i mean it's the same absolutely thing. absolutely a bunch of people heard him speak and they then they went and did a bunch of dumb shit yeah yeah that's uh I mean, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, but but oh, maybe some of them will jump out of windows, too. That'd be cool. Right. Uh, Not that but, I wish death on anyone, but if anyone's going to jump out of some windows and maim themselves, let it be those people. Yeah, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, and then, so do you want to... You got any more on Vernon Cox or... 
I got no more on Vernon Cox, but we can go a couple ways here. We can stick with Berkeley and the Berkeley theme, or we can stay mm. in 1966 real quick. Mm, that's that's with, just tough. With Stephen Kessler. Well, okay. He's not a jumper, though. He's not a jumper. He's a murderer. Yep. But he is 1966. Okay, we'll stick with Kess- 66 and Stephen Kessler. So, yeah, Stephen Kessler was a man who stabbed his mother-in-law 107 times or something. And it was a huge story. I mean, it made the cover of magazines and it was on all the newspapers. And and I think it really influenced a lot of legislation against LSD. This was a big case. Yeah. And yeah. And it's it's all on his word, right? Like mm-hmm. the narrative he created about his situation, whether it's true yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah. So according to Stephen Kessler, he had been flying on LSD for days. What apparently when they, you know, the police come to arrest him, he says, man, I've been flying for three days on LSD. Did I kill my wife? Did I rape anybody? What have I done? You know what What I mean? Yeah. Those were his exact words when they came to arrest him. Not sketchy at all. Yeah. And so Kessler gets arrested. He goes to trial. It's a a big trial. And then I think it was the following year. He is found innocent by reason of insanity. (sighs) What? Yes. So he he never went to jail. No, he, I, gosh, I can't, I think, I don't know if he, he may have gone to a mental institution for a little bit or something. I forget, but yeah, he got out of it. I would love to know if anybody out there, your millions of listeners, if you know what happened to Steven Kessler, shoot Jason a message over on lostrhetoric.com. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we got to find out. I, I want to know where Stephen Kessler ended yeah, up. Yeah, where's the mad LSD slayer? Yeah. Where's that guy? This is a, a fucking Harvard graduate, mm-hmm. this guy. And they, they, they said he, uh, or psychiat- psychiatrists, they said, testified that he was paranoid schizo. That's yeah. that's what he suffered from. He he actually was paranoid, schizophrenic, and yeah, he was found not guilty. But he's saying he was high on LSD. Yeah. So he admits to being high on drugs and killing someone, I guess. But they let yeah. him out for an ins- being insane because he is deemed paranoid schizophrenic but what does that mean for the lsd like he was impaired and murdered someone you can't get away with doing any other drug and murdering someone and then get away by saying you're insane but the the lsd doesn't seem to have played a factor in his insanity uh the determination that he was insane like they just forgot about the lsd part or something Right. Well, I think this is this kind of ties into the same 
situation is the Frank Olson. I think it's possible that Steven Kessler never took LSD. He was just lying. To- mm-hmm. And I actually have a quote from Jay Stevens who wrote, this is from his book, Storming Heaven, LSD and the American Dream. I think this puts it so succinctly. He says, but more troublesome was Kessler's claim that he had been flying for three days and could remember nothing of what happened. Unless one kept taking LSD, constantly upping the dosage to offset body tolerance, the effects wore off after 12 hours. And the whole uniqueness of the experience was the fact that one remained relatively clear-headed throughout. It was not an alcoholic fog or stupor. So the Kessler case was a toss-up. In terms of his psychiatric profile, Stephen Kessler was a perfect candidate for a psychotic episode had he taken LSD. But given his educational background, he was also astute enough to realize that LSD in the spring of 1966 was the perfect alibi for what might have been nothing more than a common act of rage and revenge. Right. It's so twisted because he seems like he murdered his mother-in-law legitimately of, of sound mind, possibly. He personally tried to say, oh man, I was fucked up on LSD for three days. But then other people, psychiatrists, determined that he was paranoid schizophrenic and therefore insane, and he got off. So that is that is just wild to me that he said what had happened, and then they determined that another thing happened, and he got off. Like, what about the fact that he lied about taking LSD, probably? Like, well, they don't know. They don't know if he lied. Nobody knows if he actually took it or not. But it's it doesn't seem like the LSD had played a factor in the not guilty plea or the not guilty verdict. No, I think it played a huge factor in it. Uh because like Jay Stevens said, you know, there was all this fervor around acid at the time and, and it was getting such a bad reputation that oh my god, you take this drug and you're out of your mind, you don't know what you're doing for three days you might kill somebody and so you think that they were saying do you think that they were saying that the fact that he was paranoid schizophrenic on top of the the notion that he took lsd made him more insane than the actual and normal insane he was it could be and you know he might have just had a psychotic break and then like steven said he realized hey i can get out of this if i just say i uh, took that crazy new acid drug that that makes you crazy it just it just also says that his lsd usage wasn't mentioned in the trial that's why i keep saying oh that it wasn't no that's what i've i've the what i've read in a couple spots they didn't even mention his lsd usage in the trial so he got off without the mention of lsd but it's just like he, mm. but he said that he used lsd so why would that not be mentioned he got off based on psychiatrist determination that he was paranoid schizophrenic and he was not mm. in of his right mind so he whatever he got off it just, it just blows my mind that a guy who whatever i guess if he's paranoid schizophrenic he 
he can lie about taking LSD and murdering his mother-in-law and stabbing her 105 times. I, I don't know. That's just crazy that you can do that. And no matter what you say or do, as long as someone says you're paranoid schizophrenic, you're you you just get off. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. I always thought that was a huge part of in his trial. That was his main defense is that he took acid. But you're I, saying you read something that specifically said it was not in the trial. Uh, I'll quote it right here. His LSD usage usage a month prior was not mentioned during the trial proceedings. Huh. His drug use was revealed as having been, quote, one and a half grams of phenobarbital and three quarts of lab alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that's from, okay. the Wiki- that's from the Wikipedia page. But I also, I don't know, I read it. Everything I looked up was just like the same thing over and over again. Um, so I just like copy and pasted that source because it was all the fucking same everywhere. But I, yeah, mm. apparently the LSD thing was just the, the jury didn't know. It was. It didn't play a factor because it hmm. wasn't mentioned. That you know. Interesting. Um, okay. okay. I, but then I, again, I. I mean, I don't know for sure whether or not the jury knew about the LSD or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like whether, whether it was mentioned, sure. Whether they knew, I don't know. Yeah. Well, as far as the media goes, that's all they did talk about. So they had uh, to know. The jury had to. I don't I, you would think, but uh, yeah, I read some article after Kessler was found innocent, you know, it was like an opinion article and the woman was like, so what you can just take acid and kill somebody and then say, you didn't know what you were doing. Is that legal now or what, what's going on? Right. You know, it seems like everyone knew about the LSD thing, but it didn't play a part in the trial. Oh, like okay. it, it was okay. like, it wasn't mentioned to the jury that that he was he claimed to be on lsd mm, so maybe okay. maybe maybe the timeline and again i'm speculating because i don't know shit maybe when he got arrested he said he was on lsd and then when they got into court they had a different defense but the media was yeah. running, the media was running with the lsd thing but then they were just like no no there's no fucking lsd story we're gonna play it this way and then they did mm. and they won right that's what it sounds okay. like no, you're probably right. I just I either didn't know that or I forgot it or whatever, but it's pretty interesting. But yeah, I want to know. I also want to know a the truth about the trial and the LSD if it played a factor. But where the fuck is this guy? What is this dude doing? I know. I want to know what happened to Stephen Kessler. Somebody out there tell us. <laughs> the LSD killer has been running loose. Yeah. For decades. This is that's fucking nuts. Anyway, all right, let's get back to Berkeley because 1966, Vern Cox jumps to his death trying to fly to Europe, thinking he's um, whatever. Timothy Leary got him all fucked up in the head, and uh, apparently, and he 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 jumped and died, and it's very sad. Uh, but 1967, the next year is wild. Am I wrong? Oh yeah, I am wrong. Very much so. <laughs> no you're right okay i was all right good um so all right let's get get us hip to what happened in 1967 in, in berkeley okay so this this lady named susan abshire i don't know if that's how you pronounce it that's all she, Ab- abshire yeah yeah so she 
she took acid and jumped out a window and killed herself. Three three stories up. Yep. And in in reading about this case for this podcast, mm-hmm. we just we discovered something new. Now this how is I don't know Jason how this was not a huge story and how is this like how did they not make movies out of this situation? Yeah, this is this is very strange. And you did send that one article that did mention all of them together in one article. Yeah. But it wasn't a huge story. It was just like, oh, this is this is hap- this seems to be like a, a crazy thing happening in Berkeley right now, especially on the UC Berkeley campus. Let's move on, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, now, explain explain what happened. Well, I did see at least one more article about okay. this situation, but it wasn't the headlines that you would think it would be. So it's wild. It's fucking wild, man. Yeah. Apparently around this same time that Susan Absher killed herself, which was 55 years ago, this past what Wednesday or something, uh, four other U S uh uc berkeley students all leapt to their own death well they weren't all students maybe but they all jumped out of a building and killed themselves five in four weeks this is in four weeks this is what i got i got six in four weeks five were on campus and one was off campus and the one that was off campus was susan abshear Mm. I got five people jumped to their deaths in a month on the UC Berkeley campus. And then the sixth one was Susan Abshear, who was a student, Mm -hmm. but died off campus. So there were, there were six, it seems like in about a month. Does that make sense to you? I got the names and everything. I got the names and everything. Okay, well, let's go through the article here. I didn't really count them up. I just kind of, it said fifth. So I just kind of, but five, okay. Five, five students, one, yeah. one non student. So six total, five students, and then uh, a 42 year old man. Right. Okay. So yeah, you got Tony Stephen Smith, 20, staff. He was a staff, me- oh, son of a staff member. Found dying in the inner courtyard, died at 25 minutes later. So that's Smith. And then you got uh what's the next one? Well, the the Smith is almost the last. The chronology that I got mm. is and I don't have the dates exactly, but the chronology that I could kind of glean was it was Gerald Wolpen, 20, he was 21 years old. A mathematics grad student jumped from the upper floors of the international house. Then this guy, I assume it's John Hughes. Uh, I think there was a typo in the paper that said his name was like A, like A O H N, but I think it's got it's got to be John G Hughes, who is a businessman, forty two. He jumped from the rim of Memorial Stadium, mm. which is fucking nuts. Yeah, but ten minutes after. Mr. Hughes jumped from the top of the stadium 10 minutes later, the same night, a guy named Eric Joe, 20 years old. He was a 
a poli sci student jump from the eighth story window of Barrows Hall. Then in uh, a few, like a week or whatever, however many days later, Peter Johnson, 23, who was a grad student, jumped from Barrows Hall. Then a few days later or a week later or whatever, Tony Smith, 20, jumped from the eighth story of Worcester Hall. And then Susan Ashbear, Abshear, who was 19, jumped through a window, through the glass, three stories up, and died also in Berkeley, but she wasn't mm. on campus. Right. But she was a student. Yeah, okay, so that is six. That's, That's... Fuck, all in a month. This all happened. Six people jumped to their death. Five students, five on campus. Two in the same fucking building. Ten minutes from each other. Well, yeah, two were in the same night, ten minutes apart. Yeah. So how <laughs> what's in the water? That was insane. Like, how did how is this not a huge story? How do you not, as an institution? I mean, I wonder what was it like going to UC Berkeley that month or just at that time, but that month. You got to think that there is some fucking like possession going, de- satanic mm-hmm. possession, or <laughs> maybe, like the LSD scare could be like there's bad drugs going around making people jump off buildings. When six people die in a month from jumping, that's some yeah. weird herd mentality. Yeah. Uh, just monkey see, monkey do. Like maybe there were the, the, one person did it and the other five were copycats. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but there's something was in the air. I mean, oh, that's a bad way to say it. <laughs> that's a terrible yeah, there way. Was something. Um, but yeah, yeah something's but, fucked up, right? Yeah, it would be weird if six people killed themselves within a month, but for them all to jump all to their jumped. Death, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like things happen in waves and people, people there. I mean, there are copycats. There are people who feel inspired to do terrible things because of whatever. And um, the maybe that's what this was. It was just, I don't know. The, the, the more people did it, the next person was more inspired to do it. You know what I mean? It was just this terrible moment where there was just too many depressed folks that were paying attention to the news, but the only LSD tragedy was Susan Abshear. The rest were just like suicides for whatever reason they, they right. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it is interesting. That was a good find on your part that Susan looking into Susan Abshear that she was the sixth out of six to jump in Berkeley that month, which is mind blowing. Yeah. It, that That's the type of situation that could make a person go, you know, it's the CIA. They're right. They're, right. they're shoot. They're shooting. Uh, Especially suicide. at that time. Yeah. They're shooting suicide beams at, at UC Berkeley, which is a, you know notorious hippie school yeah like so who gives a shit about them they're trying you know, to kill like, them yeah like hey if you got to test it on somebody might as well be the liberal hippie 
UC Berkeley campus. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a yeah, very yeah. That's the CIA testing out those those uh, nerve agents or the 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 chemical warfare shit. They're they're doing something. They're they're getting something in the air. They're getting something in the water. They're getting something in the food. Maybe they're injecting these folks. Who knows, man? It could be be crazy. It could yeah. be anything. But we'll never know about that, right? And right. That's, that's some men in black shit. Yeah. For sure, for real. I mean, who knows? That's probably not what happened, but it but is. it would make it would make more sense than what we know, which is nothing. Right. It would make more sense than yeah, six people jumping to their deaths in the same, basically month. the same fucking campus in the same month. That is unheard of, man. Yeah. Unless they I were mean, all every- involved in something crazy that they couldn't, they couldn't live with themselves anymore, which. Susan Absher apparently left a note saying that she there was she had reached a new plateau in life, but she still felt guilt about something in her past. Mm-hmm. So it's like maybe they were all linked. Maybe they maybe it was I know what you did last summer situation, and mm-hmm. they all <laughs> right? six were involved in something. They all accidentally they were in a car and they hit uh, a homeless man on the side of the road and couldn't live with it. Right. Or it was uh, like a kill bill situation where they all were six fuck somebody over. And then that person secretly assassinated all of them ooh. for revenge. <laughs> it could be, man. Hey, I wonder, I wonder if any of them mizzled while it was mizzling. What do you think? You'll have to explain your word of the night. <laughs> Well, miz- mizzled, there's a couple definitions. Mizzled could mean to suddenly depart, like ghost, like you mizzled, mizzled on out of there. Uh-huh. Or, or, you know, to mizzle or it to be mizzling out is like a misty rain, which I had never heard this word before. Mizzling, mm. mizzled, to mizzle, it's mizzling out. But, uh, yeah. I wonder if any of them jumped out of a window when there was a light drizzle out there, you know? That's a stretch. That's a stretch, yeah, but I don't uh, think so. it, it could I happen. Think I think it was a possibility. It probably was true in one of the cases. <laughs> yeah, I know there's so many of them. It must have been raining at some point. Yeah, one of them one of them mizzled while it was mizzling. I'm willing exactly. to bet. But yeah, that but, what the, what go ahead. I was just going to say to all your listeners out there who went to college, just imagine your college back mm-hmm. in your college days, and just imagine people jumping to their death from from the top of the building or whatever. Right. How, you know. In just, in 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 mass for yeah. real. One yeah. A, more than one a week. Yeah. That's that would. I mean, I went to college. I didn't go to a, a school as big as Berkeley. I've been to Berkeley. I've hung out on the, that campus. Um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, no matter what school you go to, no matter how big, that's going to rock the campus, man. That's going to be something everyone's talking about. Yeah. Trying, to, trying to figure out. And I bet people were actually scared that they were just going to, they were going to get infected with whatever the fuck was, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Like they were nervous they were going to get brainwashed or fucking juiced up with some gnarly chemical agent that's going to make them jump from a fucking window, right? 
Right. And I just want to add one more thing is, uh, you know, I just kind of found this article the other day and I just didn't deep dive into it. But yesterday I did look up um, Berkeley suicides in 1967 just to see if there was any more after this article. Oh, yeah. Um, so like there was a teacher, I think it was in December or something. I think he shot himself. They were going to make him retire and he just shot himself. Damn. So there, there may have been more, but that, you know, that's not a jump or anything. I just wanted to kind of throw that in there as a, what was it, what is it called? Addendum? Yeah. No. It's just another thing that happened in the same time frame. Yeah. Kind of weird. This is dark, like a dark cloud over Berkeley this month or that year. But I mean, there's a dark cloud over America during that whole period. So it's hard, it's hard to say what anyone's reasons were, but um, for our purposes in this podcast, Susan Abshear yeah. a- apparently was high on LSD and struggling emotionally and wanted and uh, jumped through, through a window, which, yeah. and, you know, it's not like we're, we're not making light of suicide, obviously, but I think we're making light of the idea that you would do something so drastic while high on LSD. That's, that's what we're kind of getting at. It's like, uh, this lady, there's always, uh, an air of sketchiness to any of these stories where Mm -hmm. is it a suicide or is it a murder? Because right. is this person really going to jump through a window because they're high on acid and well, dep- and depressed? Or right. is it mainly because they're depressed and they just happen to be high on LSD at the time? You know what I mean? Right. Well, and there's also another uh, situation that it might not have been LSD at all. It might have been PCP or it might have been STP, which was a very strong psychedelic drug that was brand new in 67 and people were taking way too much of it because they didn't know the dosage. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it had a really long onset time. It was like something like two or three hours before it hits you or some shit. So people were like, Oh man, this shit's weak. And then they would double up or whatever or triple up and absolutely fucking melt down once it hits you, man. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, that was happening a lot. So what was happening as uh, people were taking as LSD, a lot of times it was STP, honestly. I've never even heard of STP as a drug. It was, it was developed by Alexander Shulgin. Uh, you know, Sasha Shulgin. I know um, the name Shulgin, but I, I, I don't know why. Uh, well, he's just, he's the godfather of ecstasy. He's the guy who wrote, uh, PCAL and TCAL, which is this mm. color. All right. He, just real quick. He was the, he was working for Dow chemical and he created some pesticide that made him tons of money. So then they were like, Hey, you got free reign to do whatever you want. And he was in interested in psychedelic drugs. So he started fooling with all kinds of psychedelic drugs and making them. So he made STP, he discovered MDMA, uh, you know, it, 
it was created in 1912, but he like rediscovered MDMA, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was making, doing all these experiments and stuff. Uh, So he's just like one of the most, he's like the second most famous psychedelic chemist, I would guess behind Albert Hoffman. Damn. Okay. But anyway, but anyway, yeah. So he created that. So this, this, this woman might've possibly been high on his creation. It's possible, you know, they, you know, it just, it was under the brand of acid, you know what I mean? But the guy just said, Susan Absher took acid. You you don't know what she took. Isn't it wild that you can, as a, as a chemist, like kind of concoct these things and somehow, whether it's, intentional or it's it's just like anything else kind of like on the black market people kind of get the recipe and make their own version of it shittier version of it but it it leaks out and then people start getting really fucked up and dying because of it do you feel any guilt this guy feel any guilt for just like kind of fucking around in a lab and having fun because he's rich for creating a pesticide which also kills people (laughs) Um, Shulgin, I'm sure he felt pretty bad about what was happening. Uh, but you know, he was more, it was probably a break a few eggs to make an omelet type thing. Cause he was a true believer of psychedelic drugs until his death. I mean, he's made hundreds of compounds, hundreds, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I think what happened, I'm almost sure what happened was he gave the recipe to Owsley Stanley, who was the biggest acid chemist of the sixties mm-hmm. and, and Owsley along with, um, you know, Nick Sand, uh, and, and the others, they, they started making SDP and, you know, it really fucked a lot of people up. That was a huge mistake. Ugh. Fuck. That sucks. I, that scares the shit out of me. That, that sounds like what, I feel about STP now how the government wanted people to feel about LSD in the 60s. That scares the <laughs> shit out of me. Yes. I don't want yeah. anything to do with that the, now, the, the, at all. The real name of the chemical is DOM, but it was going around as STP. Um, what was it? Uh, serenity, tranquility, and peace. Oh, boy. And like you would see people with STP shirts and like David Crosby with the STP sticker on his guitar and stuff. And that was, you know, they're just kind of shouting that out. So. What's what's STP like the red and, you know, the oval thing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, well, it's a oil, right? Motor. Oil. Yeah. A motor oil. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So I think they kind of liked the logo or whatever and decided yeah, to call you. it STP, but it was really called DOM. I gotcha. And then there was one of the worst bands of all time, Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> I cur- I actually love them, but that's okay. <laughs> one of the worst bands of all time. Um so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you got on Berkeley or Susan Abshear? This shit's all obviously very tragic. Um and you know, drugs especially ones concocted in a lab are quite freaky. If you ask me personally, and I'm not hyper experienced with this stuff as any listener would know, I've only done it a couple times. Um, and I don't really want to do it anymore. And I yeah. haven't done it in a long time. 
because it is kind of freaky, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I would. I mean, if I if I were were to do it again, it would have to be. I'd have to know exactly where it came. It would have to come with like an ingredients list, a born mm-hmm. on date, like a a paper trail telling me where it came from, who made it, uh, and some testimonials. Well, you know what? You make a great point. You make a great point there is because I think when a lot of people are hearing this, your listeners right now might be like, oh, my God, ass was so bad or whatever. These people are doing this. The, the real lesson you should take away from this is because it was illegal. Nobody knew what they were actually taking, what the dosage was, you know, and, and unless you were listening to guys like Leary, um, you didn't know that you needed to be in the right mindset to take it. Right. You know, that makes sense. And, it's, and, and the simple comparison is legal weed, you know, like I, I, I live in Oregon and I lived here when weed was illegal and I've lived here since it has been legal and I'm not much of a weed smoker, but I do have to say, and you're going to experience this soon in Virginia. Mm-hmm. When you know, when there's a fucking menu Mm-hmm. that tells you exactly the potency, the strain, what it is, what it does. And you can talk to somebody about the effects or you can just walk right in and be like, I want to feel this way. And they'll be yeah. like, all right, well, I got this for you. That mm-hmm. is a billion times better than meeting someone you don't know on the street and getting a bag <laughs> of weed from somebody that you have no fucking idea. You know what I mean? Like right. if I could, if you could do that with any drug, any drug that you're addicted to and have faith that it's uh, just whatever as, as high, high quality as you can possibly get in an organic sense. It doesn't have to be like, I'm not talking like, be like fucking heroin or something, but then again, in, in anything that is synthesized or whatever, if it's, if it's high quality and you know what you're getting, yeah. Yeah. You, you know how to use it. Yeah. And not, and also to your point, as far as legalization, um, when, when a drug is illegal, there is an undercurrent of, Oh my God, what if I get busted? And that oh, is yeah, bad. Yeah. That's bad for your mindset. There's people that I've heard talk about how, like there was a huge difference between 1965 when it was, legal in 1966 when it became illegal like like it just put a damper on everything and that is you don't want a damper when you're taking acid oh yeah you're all you're when you you take it when you're already fucking paranoid because you're holding yeah 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 yeah, you're already paranoid and yeah you take the drugs right (laughs) yeah so yeah not, not not a good recipe yeah so just to reiterate prohibition is is the reason most people die from drugs it's it's 99 of the reason problems and prohibition of alcohol created the mafia so there you go yeah i mean we never learned that lesson apparently but whatever we never learn anything no (laughs) fuck it just how to capitalize certain people learn how to capitalize on these things and keep them in place so they make money and that's all that's what some people learn and other people just other people just get addicted. And I guess, you know what I mean? 
Well, <clears throat> and, and, and okay, in 1967, there was another jumper named John Stern. He was in Canada, actually. John Stern. Okay. Yeah, on, on, this is the one I forgot to send you. But anyway, uh, March 18th, 1967, mm-hmm. he, jumped, he jumped to his death. Uh, allegedly high on LSD. Yeah, I, I think his friend said he was taking it. He, he had taken it. And that's it. That's just like within the, uh, a couple years, there's quite a few people jumping out of windows high, high, supposedly high on LSD. I don't know how many more there were after this. I, I kind of, I haven't looked into it too much after 67. But, you know, I'm sure it happened. Look, every great product, there's a bunch of people that die. There's a bunch of people that are going to die from water tonight. There's a bunch of people going to die from cars. Every great product, you're going to have people that die. But the thing is, is when the media is taking cues from the government, they don't want it to be out. They want to demonize it. So all you're going to hear is bad stories. Right. Yeah, I mean, even if even if one of these stories is true, which could be true, that one of these people, if not more, literally jumped out of a window because they were under the effects of LSD. Um, they're one in what? Right, a, f- a few a million. million. One, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sure most of them are true. There, you think? I, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I have no doubt that people definitely kill themselves on acid. They kill other people on acid. Maybe, you know, there's no doubt in my mind. I actually, when I was looking, I was doing a little bit more research and I came across another story in 1967, this guy, um, he decided that he was God, he was taking acid and he had realized he was God. And he could not be hurt. So he took his scooter or whatever and drove it into a car and nothing happened at all. So he said, look, that's proof that I'm that I'm God. I can't be harmed. So then apparently he stood in front of a train and Mm -hmm. found out the hard way that he was not immortal. This is real or this is an urban myth? No, this is real. It was all over the newspapers. Okay. And, and and actually, it was kind of disgusting. The newspapers were like, he was on the wrong track. You know, that type, all kinds fun, of. Yeah. 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 Well, like, I mean, they, we're, we're kind of making fun of stuff tonight, too, but we're not they're, legitimate they're, news yeah, organizations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're you and I are not taking any glee. No, in, hell no. Any satisfaction in these things. I mean they were kind of like, huh, see, that's what you get type of thing. Right. Cause we all hate drugs as you know, they're, they go, you know, drink and drive on their way home from work and snort cocaine off the hotel bathroom or whatever, which I'm exactly. sure they all do. Yeah. I didn't, as send all you- newscasters do, we all know this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I didn't send you that one. Cause I didn't know how much time we had or whether, how it would fit in. Oh, and there's just one more quick one. Oh, okay. This guy, this guy who was on acid jumped through a plate glass window again, but it was like a department store or something. That's a thing. There's something about jumping through (laughs) glass, whether they don't know it's there or they just think they're going to go right through like a ghost. I I, I don't know. What is the deal? But they said this guy had mental issues. Like 
of course serious and, serious mental issues and if they were if he was also taking lsd with mm-hmm. some sort of mental issue no matter i mean depending on what it is not good right exactly so he jumped through a window too uh, i didn't send you that one either no i mean but that's like paul kessler Stephen you know? kessler Stephen kessler oh <laughs> paul kessler oh my gosh shout out paul um anyway maybe he knows what happened to steve <laughs> maybe he is no he's not that old oh. um but uh yeah paranoid schizophrenic with lsd possibly on top of it possibly yeah it's bad possibly makes you stab your mother-in-law 105 times possibly bad news, bad news. yeah bnb bad news, bad news bears for sure yeah, I mean, well, anytime I've ever had a discussion about psychedelics on this show, it it's should be obvious, but it's not. But it, it's also, if you have any underlying mental problems and certain health problems, especially heart issues and stuff, you ought not be doing these fucking drugs. That is a huge no-no. Yeah. Like, do not take psychedelics if you've got any sort of bipolar, schizo, uh, paranoia, things like that, no, 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 no. Um, but in a controlled environment in small doses, in, in a therapeutic way, whatever, could it help certain people with certain disorders? Sure. But when you're just like trying to get fucking high on the street and just have a good night, I, I I don't know about that. Especially when you, like we said, it's not regulated. You don't know where what it is, where it's coming from. Uh, next yeah. thing, next thing you know, you're in the papers. Yep, it's prohibition's fault because there's no education on the street, or maybe there is, but that that's what we're doing, JPX. Yeah, exactly. But um, I don't know. You want to move on to to the big jumper? I would love to. Diane Linkletter. Yeah. Okay. This. Yeah, because this was a celebrity, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, she had been on some things. And, of course, she's known because her father's Art Linkletter, who was host of, what was it, uh, things kids say and a bunch of other stuff yeah he uh, he was a tv guy i don't honestly i don't know who he is but he was popular at the time yeah he, well it was kids say the darndest things that's what it was oh he is was that who ori- that is yeah he was the original kids say the darndest thing, and that was a big hit and he was on some others he was he was big art link letter is huge okay and he actually, and Diane wanted to get into acting, and she was in a few things. If you look up her IMDb, she was like in a few things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, in uh, 1969, October of 1969, Diane Linkletter jumped to her death. And after this happened, Art Linkletter was convinced it was because she had been taking acid. But then they did a toxicology and there was no acid in her system, no any drugs in her system, no nothing. Mm-hmm. She was clean. 
but then he changed the story like, well, it was because she had an acid flashback, which, you know, a lot of people that's not even proven to actually be a thing because she had confided in him that she had taken, had a bum trip on acid recently yeah. or mm-hmm. something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he, he knew that she had taken acid before yeah. and, not, and not had a good time. Yeah. And so, you know, he's trying to search for some reason that this terrible tragedy happened and he just found a scapegoat, which was uh, Timothy Leary and people who were prophesizing about LSD. And then, of course, the acid chemists themselves. Right. So he went on a huge crusade, you know? Yeah. Uh, Making albums and shit. Yeah, just up in the White House and shit. He and was, he, he like retired basically from acting to be a, like an anti-drug crusader, didn't he? Essentially, like shortly after all this happened. And, and honestly, yes. I mean, I don't blame the guy. His daughter died tragically. And he if he thought it was because of something as silly as taking a dumb drug and he was convinced he's he's going to go on the war path to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else again right yeah but it, it, actually he probably just was not able to talk to his daughter and she was she was into like heroin and shit at a very young age oh like, was she she was, yeah. she was she was actually into harder drugs i didn't know that yeah yeah she was sort of a bad kid you know or a rebellious okay. kid at least and you know she was swept up in the whole 60s vibe and she grew up in hollywood right yeah and you know and she's hanging with the with the socialites and blah 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 and you know art stuffy old art art link letter he can't relate to her and there was just a huge generation gap and he just couldn't communicate with her and that is probably one of the main reasons why she killed herself and did she really kill herself jason Oh, see, this is, yeah, yep. <laughs> Did she? Because there is quite a story that, uh, considering who was with her the night she she, quote unquote, jumped out of the window. Yep. Right. Uh, it was her. Was it her boyfriend? Were they dating, or were, uh, they, were they just kind of like hanging out? I don't know. I. I get the feeling they were hooking up in some way because he came over at three o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, he when's the last time you went? Yeah. When's the last time you went over to your, uh, friend's house, you know, your platonic female oh. friend <clears throat> to hang out. Yeah. Especially when you're seven or eight years older than, than the lady, you're not just, <laughs> yeah. Right. Not just, yeah. You, you, they were or he was trying to either he was yeah. trying to or they were hooking up i think um, he was hooking up with her but this guy's name is david durston son of yeah. a bitch yeah as and you can look up his his claim to fame was the movie i drink your blood <laughs> which was years after all of this right uh not years after but it was what was it in the 70s or was it 
yeah, it was probably early 70s. It was inspired by the Manson family. Yeah. And if you look at the trailer, it was just unnecessary gore. It was just. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a genre at the time. I mean, like, this is just straight up grindhouse yeah it is grind grindhouse gore just over the top a town a little boy infects a town with rabies yeah or it's like all the town's men or something so they're just out there fucking destroying everything fucking everything up ripping limbs off eating shit killing everybody trying to kill everybody killing themselves and they're all what horny they're all horny I guess maybe yeah. that's what happened at UC Berkeley. Some kid <laughs> in, infected all of their pies with. Well, that's what. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah it, <laughs> or yeah, it, who? Maybe David Durston was in Berkeley at the time. Has anyone checked into this? Oh, I need to know now. Now we got to know. So this is when the podcast turns from like, oh, we got some crazy. Maybe it was LSD involved in this death podcast to it to a, a murder mystery yes is david durston a murderer and did I'm he gonna murder say yes. a, <laughs> did he murder again yeah <laughs> i'm gonna say yes i'm gonna say yes too so the night that diane linkletter apparently jumped from her sixth floor apartment window in Shoreham Towers in West Hollywood, California. The only person that was there in the room was David Durston. Mm-hmm. He was and 20, he was 27 and she was 20. Yeah, and and apparently they were just making cookies, and she went into other room and just boom, jumped out of the window. That doesn't sound real. Everything was normal, and then she just jumped out of the window. Yeah, that doesn't he, sound real. But he said that he had attempted to grab her, but she had jumped and he he couldn't do anything. Like she was gone. But he he said that she was despondent and worried about her quote identity and her career that night. Oh no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. I thought I was jumping ahead to the next story but yeah that was that was link link letter apparently because of her father and the success and her trying to be successful and not necessarily getting it was having a fucking crisis and didn't know who she was and didn't know you know she's 20 years old she's trying to figure out who she is and it was she was overwhelmed yep. and uh that was that and apparently i guess high on lsd yeah, well, I think they proved she wasn't high on LSD, but still, right, Bartley Letter was saying it was because of her past LSD use. But um, Durston never he did he never said anything about LSD, right? He just said that she was right. she was in a mood, mm-hmm. and then her father was the one that said LSD. Exactly. Okay, so LSD had nothing to do with her death. It's just her father perpetuating the LSD hysteria and then using that for the rest of his life to go on anti-drug tirades, which, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I don't don't know. I've never, I I don't know how I'd react if I were him, honestly, 
but yeah, I have a hard time saying you fucking asshole, you idiot. Don't whatever. Cause if he honestly believed that that's why she did what she did, then I, who am I? I don't know, but yeah. that, there's a lot of grief in there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was going through some stuff and trying to put the pieces together. You know, right. what are you going to yeah. do? But he, uh, he obviously was wrong about <laughs> yeah. the circumstances. Yeah. Um, but before we go on to why we think David E. Durston mm-hmm. is whose is, name, whose name is, and I just realized this, dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Holy D- shit. D- That's dead. Dude, yeah, he's oh. telegraphing it. He, oh. it's, he's obvious now to me. Yeah, yeah, he, I'm, I'm on guy. the fence until right now when you said that. <laughs> right. Yeah, this guy's a fucking murderer. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have to go by it. He doesn't have to put the E in there. Yeah. He could just be DD. He doesn't have to be DED. Yeah, he could guy. just he could be somebody that takes drunk people home when they need a ride. You he, know, could but... be, he wants to be DED, not the DD. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. That'd be funny if that actually was the reason he went by David E. Durston. But anyway, because you know, because <laughs> he's, he's making up, flaunting it in front of everyone's face, like. <laughs> well, like you know, because he was doing horror movies and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You maybe, know, maybe as part of know, his persona. Yeah, Could and be. then pl- and then maybe like as a like a little secret to himself, like. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm getting one over on you guys. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm telling you guys what I did and you don't even get it. This, um, that's my, I admitted it. I'm admitting it. Therefore I feel, feel no guilt. Yeah. I'm fooling I'm you and it. you don't like it. <laughs> you fuck you. I'm fooling you and you don't like it. Yeah. But as a, a little side note, before we get a little bit further into Durston, um, another crazy thing about the Diane link letter story that nobody knows is that just days after she died, apparently, I guess her best friend, because I don't know who else would do this, her friend Tony Monty, age 31, kills herself because she's despondent over the death of Diane. That tracks. I mean, that if they were very close or maybe i mean we don't know the whole story maybe she had a role in it like she their per like something happened in their personal relationship that she feels guilty about you know what i mean who knows who knows behind closed doors maybe she gave diane the acid and felt bad about it (laughs) no no i think yeah no i believe that this happened i'm not saying it didn't i'm just saying it's kind of a a it is side, yeah. interesting side note to this. Well, whole it's story. sad. It's super sad. And you know, uh, just to bring Jack, when this all ties into Jack Parsons for to me because it's it's all a lot of chemistry and shit blowing up and people dying and um, his mother committed suicide at, very shortly after he died, like the same day. And so that stuff happens, you know, and it, yeah. what's crazy is like Grace Bigler, who is my, my, um, this is so crazy because I didn't even plan it on, on this, but I'm going to say it right now, Grace is from Oakland and we've been to Berkeley together and she's very familiar with Berkeley and she's my guest tonight on call me crazy 
Mm. And, and yeah, she was she did the Jack Parsons episode, which I've been thinking about this whole discussion because of Jack Parsons' life and history with drugs and rocketry and ro- fooling with chemicals in a lab and uh yeah, and the fact that his mother died this basically the same day he did because she she was so sad. Yeah. Anyway, it's all tying to this episode. It's all tying together somehow, somehow without really thinking about it. Um but continue, JPX. Well, so I, I guess we were going to move on to why we think it's possible that David E. Durston was the murderer. D.E.D. Dead, the murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And this is super shady. So It has nothing it, to do with LSD anymore. We're off yeah. LSD. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is just another side side note, <laughs> right? To this whole story. So there's a somewhat famous actress called Carol Wayne. She was on Johnny Carson hundreds of times and mm-hmm. just many different shows. Yeah, she was kind of a big actress, I guess. Always playing the the dumb blonde. Yes, that was like her her thing. Yeah. So in 1985, she goes on vacation with none other than david e durston aka mm-hmm. dead yeah and where they went to mexico or something yeah they were at a resort in mexico yeah so they get into an argument and he chases after her and can't find her and then can't find her and then just decides to go back to new york or whatever um, and then a few days later, they find her lying in what I've heard one person describe as like a foot of water. I don't know how true that is. I, I, I saw one guy on YouTube describe it as a foot of water. Mm-hmm. Now she couldn't, she couldn't swim, mm-hmm. but yeah, David E. Durston, who was in the, the room with Diane Linkletter when she jumped was the last person to see Carol Wayne alive who couldn't swim and ended up drowned in the ocean, right? Yes. Yeah. Very sketchy because they say that she was scared of water and wouldn't go in. And she was found in the water, very shallow water. And there was no drugs or alcohol in her body. Right. And yeah, he checked out and left her luggage at the fucking airport with a note saying like, you know, here's your shit or whatever. Um, But yeah, man, this guy, he murdered Carol Wayne, right? Like, I I don't see how there's any other way to. I feel like he did. It's how can there be so much coincidence with these two cases? Like. Because in in both instances, he seemed to be arguing that night with the women that ended up dead. Right? Am I wrong? Well, well, I don't know whether they said he was arguing with Diane. Um, Let's see. Although Um, he said... See, because, well, no, because the police investigation after Linkletter's death, they questioned dead... And he claimed that Art, or no, that she had, 
uh, phoned him the night before her death and was very upset and asked him to come over. And they stayed up all night talking. And yeah, he claimed that she was like super emotional and despondent and, and irrational most mm-hmm. of the time, which to me sounds like an alibi. Yeah. Um, and if you, I'm going to just assume that they weren't getting along. And he is saying, because he has the benefit of being alive, that she was not herself the night before she died. And she was not herself the night she died. She was very irrational and erratic and emotionally unstable. Um, and yeah, very sober as well. Yes. To the uh, report that whatever. Well, in 1985, he says about Diane, because now that this happened, they're bringing up Diane. They're like, wait a second. He now he's saying in 1985, Diane was extremely suicidal. And then that's what that's what he's saying now. Yes, and that's what he's saying in 1985. That she, she, okay. Not, nope. I don't know, man. I mean, either this guy's like the George Costanza of suicides, or he's a fucking murderer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's what I think happened. He never did hook up with Diane, and she calls him over at 3 o'clock, and he's like, we are hooking up. I am yeah, getting late tonight. Tonight's the night. Yes. And he goes over there and she doesn't want to hook up. She's actually just wants to talk. And he's yeah. like, what the fuck? You, you know, you fucking bitch. And, and she goes to get something on the window or whatever. And he pushes her out with his boner. Yeah. Right. Oh, dude. I mean, possibly, possibly. Cause you know, People, men especially, are assholes like that. They can be. Uh, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And, and then Carol Wayne's running away from him. And he's and, done it before. He's done yeah, it before. He, he got away with it. And, you know, here's another woman that's rejecting him. Mm-hmm. And, and his ego, he cannot take it. Or, so. or just pissing him off. He obviously he's just he has no respect for women, obviously. And he's he's he seems like an abusive, uh, at least who knows, emotionally abusive and physically abusive if we if he actually is in fact a murderer. But yeah. it seems it seems I don't know, man. When you're the last person to see two women alive and you're physically there, yeah, the night of two women's deaths. And he never faced any charges and never like spent a day in court and never had to fucking, he just, that's it. He, I don't know. Nowadays, it's not going to fly. There's been too many television shows about guys like this. (laughs) No one's ever going to let it fly because no one wants a TV show made about them fucking up. So they're all, the whole, everyone just keeps reacting. So there's not a podcast or a TV show made about them. So they got to get yeah. it right now. They got to never yep. fuck up. So yeah. they're not exposed in long form. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants to be the, the, the OJ trial prosecution. You know what right. I mean? Right. So uh, but back then, but back then dead, Mr. David E. Durson 
could literally get away with murder decades apart. Yeah, David E. Asshole Durston, mm-hmm. aka Dead. Dead, um, yeah, the A is for asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes um but anyway um he, he did say one more thing about diane's death in 1985 he said there was never any question of my involvement in diane linkletter's death i spent hours on the lie detector machine and it came up with nothing now we all know lie detector machines are not perfect and i believe you can take like some kind of barbiturate like a xanax or something and be straight right like you're it'll keep you calm. You know what I mean? Sure. That's what um, I've heard. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. Um, but all I know is the results of those things are what people want them to be uh, determined. I mean, depending on, uh, you know, like if, I mean, if it came back that he was not telling the truth, he'd be behind bars for sure. Um but the, the yeah, the results of those things are not to be relied upon. Yeah, there's a reason why they're not admissible in court. They're not yeah, they're because not reliable. because nervous people, I mean, guilty mm-hmm. people, guilty people like dead know how to beat it, and not guilty people are so fucking nervous that they l- l- come out guilty when they're not. You know, so yeah, there's just too many inconsistencies. Yeah, like the it, stone it, cold fucking killers can beat it, but the nervous, yeah. the nervous people who are accused constantly lose in that situation. So yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not very reliable. It reminds me of the Chris Rock bit where he gets pulled over by cops, and he's like, "They'll convince you that you stole your your own car." <laughs> he said, "Oh Lord, I done stole the car." <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's in that bit, Chris Rock is totally innocent, but because he's so nervous and being yeah. pushed by, you know. Well, there's whole like, documentary series about that now, about being coerced under investigation to admit some shit that you did right. not do because you are essentially being tortured by time. Like yeah. they keep you there so long and you get so fed up and so tired that you just say what you want they want you to say because you think they'll just let you go home like i just want to go yeah uh, Stephen avery case right yeah so it's just like fuck yeah sure can i go and they're like actually no you're arrested <laughs> you're like god damn it <laughs> you tricked me trick you son of a bitch anyway we're getting yeah. off track but um yeah uh, david e durston murdered diane linkletter and carol wayne for sure. I'm not taking any other speculation that says to the contrary. He is yeah. a murderer. Uh, LSD had nothing to do with Diane Linkletter's death. Sorry, Art Linkletter. Uh, what's the deal with Art's album? Okay, so I'm confused. Art came out with a Grammy Award winning spoken word record in 1970, the year after her death. But I've read a couple things. It was Art and Diane made a record together. Yeah, I'm kind of unclear on that, too. But Uh, I also read that Art made like an anti-drug album and she made like an 
album in response to his album that was like anti his album or something. Uh, no, that's not true. Okay, I think what happened was he released this single uh like a month after her death it was called uh we love you call collect or whatever mm-hmm. you, you heard that yeah uh and she, she was and, on it yeah but i don't think that was really her in fact i don't think it was him either if you look at the what the, the fuck cup, is going on I don't, I don't know it said words by whoever it wasn't him so i don't know if the guy made the words but it was our like link letter reading it or whatever but i think they were having an actress play diane and like what because this is what they believe she felt or this is what she was saying she felt before she died but they credit diane as being on the record no i don't think they credit her oh okay i feel like whatever i read i read a couple of different sources that is so confusing to me it's like they made a record together and it won a Grammy after she died, or they made separate records and his won a Grammy, or now you're telling me that he made a record that she wasn't on, but someone was playing her. But either way, it won a Grammy for best spoken word recording in 1970. We love you, call collect. And right. it peaked at number 42 on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, yeah, I bet that was just ringing out in the club. Banger, club banger. Uh, <laughs> but the royalties went to, uh, quote, combat problems arising from drug abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> drug use. Um, all right. What else you got? Anything? Well, another side note on the Diane Linkletter thing is what it was uh, – two three four five john waters his fifth mm, movie right. was called the dying link letter story it was a, just a really if you know john waters you know what this is going to be it's got divine as as dying link letter yes and, it, and it's got uh mink stole and uh, uh who's the other guy he died off PCP. Uh, oh, Jesus. I forgot, forgot what his name was. Oh, I was saying Jesus oh. is the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David Lockery. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to send you too far down a, a trail here, but David, <laughs> but, but David Lockery, one, one night he took PCP at a party and I think he punched something and bled to death. So he was the he was just one of those guys that was in every John Waters movie until his death. That almost happened to me once. Good lord, that's not true. But I did, I did. This is a quick aside, since we're good friends and all. But for the listeners, there was a plexiglass case. It was plexiglass, like you know, it's hard to punch through plexiglass, right? Um, Yeah. And it was like a at the post office at my college. My buddy Antoine, we were getting drunk that night. And I remember I was wearing my dad's Celtic satin starter jacket that I stole from him, like the old school bright yeah. green Celtics jacket. And I felt I still got that jacket. But Antoine's like, I've tried to punch through this multiple times. You can't break it because plexiglass <sighs> like flexes, you know. And it was in a frame. It was like probably like a two by three frame. 
So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to punch out. And uh, I was like, I bet I can fucking do it. And I, I fuck, I did it. I blasted right through that plexiglass and cut my shit. Like I'm lucky it didn't hit my wrist. Yeah. Like, but it fucked like parts of my hand up that weren't my knuckles. Like it like shredded me. And uh, after that, I was like, uh, that was really dumb. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. But boy, am I strong. Good God. Good boy, well, am I strong. And I got some blood on my dad's Celtics jacket. Sorry, old man. It's clean now. This is like 20 years ago. But yeah, uh, yeah, punching punching glass and plexiglass and things that turn into sharp shards. Don't do it, people. Okay. Well, that changes next weekend's plans. But all right, we're going way off the rails with that one. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's what happens when old friends like us talk um, do you want to get into exu- the exhumed excerpt from the tomb of the promulgated? Are we done? Do you want to move on? I am ready for it. I love it. I you're, love this bit. <laughs> you're you're satisfied with the the, yeah. the the LSD talk? Yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about John Spells, but that doesn't oh tie, wait, wait, that wait, doesn't wait. tie that doesn't tie into anything we were talking about. Yeah, I did I did research on John Spells. He 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 was a guy that was busted, convicted, fled, declared legally dead, and then uh, captured 18 years later. And then he was released. And then, but he was a suicide. He 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 did hang himself. But that um, supposedly, supposedly, it, it could be another one of those psychedelia murders. Well, no. Okay, I'll just. Real quick with John Spells, because it doesn't tie into anything else we've been talking about. So in 1968, John Spells got busted for his DMT lab, which I believe is like the first ever DMT lab bust. Right. But they originally thought it was LSD, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was reported as LSD, which is another example of how they just put the brand LSD over any psychedelic drug or whatever. Right. But it's the catch all, man. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. it's just what people understood but anyway you know so he freaking you know he gets busted in 68 and then let me see you know he's convicted in 1970 goes on the run in 72 in 1985 he's declared legally dead i don't know how that happened i I read that his only living relative his brother declared him dead because that's the only way it'll work you 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 have to have whatever a living a living relative declare you legally dead and i guess his brother was his only living relative which makes it super official yeah but like how does how does that even happen because i know of two other lsd chemists who went on the run for 20 years both of them went on run for 20 years. They were never declared dead. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know the process. I don't know how, maybe it's because he only had the one living relative and they only needed that one confirmation. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. And maybe because his lab wasn't like a super lab, like these other guys I'm talking about, like, uh, you know what I mean? It was just some little DMT lab bust. And it was 13 years or well, actually at that time it was 17 years ago. 
and uh you know maybe they're just like eh they don't seem to be looking for him too hard they're not too worried about this guy but they're worried enough yeah well once he's discovered in 1990 under the alias robert parker after 18 years yeah he is captured and he only does one year in I, prison, actually. I saw that. It's like he was captured in 1990 after being on the lam for 18 years, and then he gets, he's released after a year. Yeah. <laughs> like, for what? Time served, like, as another person or something? Like, you're, you, your life has been so inconvenienced by us chasing you that you, <laughs> only, you only get one year in jail. And now you can, you know, you've, yeah. been, through, you've been through enough. We put you through through enough. It's almost like in retrospect, it wasn't that big of a deal after all. So we'll let you go. Hopefully. Jesus. But, but, you know, and then in 2011, 20 years after he's released, he dies. And I was told by someone who claimed to have known him that he killed himself in his trailer, not because of psychedelic drugs just because you know he's an old man and his life was shit and killed himself oh that's sad yeah another psychedelia tragedy (laughs) yeah no if if the media gets a hold of that that's the takeaway from them he was high on his own fucked up dmt and (laughs) yeah if it weren't for psychedelic drugs none of this would have happened yeah but anyway, I want to get into the tomb of the promulgated. Oh, the you want to get the the exhumed excerpt? Okay. Well, yeah. let's let's move let's, let's move out of the LSD uh, deaths and the somberness of dying from LSD to uh, dealing with aliens while possibly on LSD. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Not on LSD, but, you know, being subjected to LSD experiments. Uh, so this this guy, uh, and I've never done an exhumed excerpt like this where I'm, I, I didn't really find an article that I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm going to kind of piece, piece it together here. This guy, Bill Brooks, you ever heard of Bill Brooks? No. He's a British uh, ex-soldier, right? And he wrote a book and everything that I found out about him is like basically talking about his book that he wrote, um, which is called 44 based on an ex soldier's true story of lifelong encounters involving alien abduction. And it's called 44 is because he was 44 years old when he like realized the truth about what he had been through. Cause you know, mm-hmm. a lot of alien abductees, don't realize mm. things until yeah way after shit happens so there's this mysteriousuniverse.org article i found that was something worth reading that wasn't exactly just like a book review so bear with me here i'm going to like skip paragraphs and stuff but this is this is like the gist of it this guy's this guy's been experiencing alien encounters like his whole life since he was fucking 10 years old essentially but then he joins the military he's in the military and um during his time with the british army brooks claims to have had many very surreal experiences 
One was a secret mind control experiment he claims to have been a part of at Porton Down, UK, during which he was given psychedelic drugs and forced to watch a spinning black spiral on a white wall as strange commands were barked at him. He says these experiments were designed to make soldiers more aggressive and easily controlled by their handlers. Another weird experience. Oh, I'll, I'll skip you another weird experience because I'm going to jump to this other weird experience. Um, uh, he says that, let's see, these are already quite strange, but his most harrowing and spectacular claimed experience was when he claims that there was a mass alien uh, at the base. Uh, I don't know what that means. Mass alien presence landing whatever that's a typo at the base that seemed to be held with the cooperation of what appeared to be american military officials the whole bizarre story begins with what he and others at first thought was a simulated gas attack for training purposes and he says this this is i think from the book you ready Mm -hmm. let me take a sip Oh, I thought you were hitting the gravity bong, but it sounds like you're pouring something. <laughs> um, remember that time I burnt my lip on your lighter when I was you held the lighter for me when we were doing gravity bong at your old apartment? Do you remember that? And I burnt, I had that weird, like half cyclops smiley face burn on my lip. You don't forget a thing like that. You don't forget a thing like that. Anyway, all right. This is this is what he says about his experience that night. It was a late autumnal evening around eight or nine when we noticed an orange colored mist coming towards our position, which definitely got our attention. The soldier I was was with uh, Joe said he believed it was a simulated gas attack. We went back to the base camp to warn our section to put on their gas masks. When we arrived, we were surprised to find everyone asleep in their vehicles. We woke an NCO and reported reported to him what we had seen and that we thought this was a simulated gas attack. He said it was not possible as the training exercise had been canceled and the section was on stand down. Joe and I then found somewhere to rest. And as we lay back on some camouflage nets, I saw an incredible scene. I saw a light and what looked like smoke coming towards us. As I looked away from the light, my field of vision rested on a further sight that I could make no sense of. I watched with incredulity a scene that I knew should not be possible and strained my eyes to make sure that what I was seeing was not a figment of my imagination. And then he says, he he claims that after this, the soldiers began to get up and walk towards a bright light sitting in a nearby field, all of them shambling along like zombies as if in a trance. It would only get more bizarre and sinister from there, the story says. So he continues, the men, as if under orders, began leaving the vehicles they they had been sleeping soundly in, which were parked a little closer to the field than we were. They seemed to be in a trance and looked for all the world as if they were floating towards some object with very bright lights in the field. Obscured by the brightness of the light, I struggled to make out any details of what I was seeing, though it looked like some kind of vehicle. The guys had been on exercise during the day and were exhausted, yet here they were all moving in unison, but in an apparent state of sleep. 
Joe and I had a panoramic view because we were on top of a vehicle on the camouflage nets and very much awake. I decided to investigate and see where the men had gone and, and started down from the vehicle. But Joe said, no, stay put. Don't go. I didn't know then that he could see armed men coming out of the woods, walking in our direction. Our vehicle was parked about 100 yards in front of the woods, and to the right was the field where I now believe a UFO had landed. As I looked up and saw Joe staring towards the woods, I quickly stared in that direction. I was suddenly confronted by a man dressed in black coveralls with some kind of blue square-shaped badge at the top of the right sleeve. It soon became apparent that we were several or that there were several of these men similarly dressed, all with guns. And as far as I could tell, they were all blonde. Mm. This, this guy in front of me had a gun that he was pointing in my direction. He spoke and said, walk towards the light. I hesitated because I could still hear Joe telling me not to go. And then the article continues. The next thing Brooks would remember was standing on parade in the field with high-ranking officers standing in front of them. Oddly, some of the other men were dressed in what he calls the old battle dress uniform from years ago. He couldn't remember anything that had happened since he had been held at gunpoint. Indeed, he didn't even know why he was standing out on that field. And he soon found that none of the other men did either. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, the military officials then told them all very sternly to never speak of anything that had happened the night before. They were all forced to sign non-disclosure documents, <laughs> and that was that. Non-disclosure documents <laughs> in the military? Yeah. They, he, they experienced some weird UFO landing slash mind control experiment that they, I guess they weren't a part of because they were camouflaged in the net. Maybe they didn't know they were there. So they were witnessing the whole, their whole fucking base being like mm. controlled or something. Did this happen near UC Berkeley? No, possibly. I don't, I didn't get a year, but it was, um, it was back in those days. Like this. No, guy, no, you, you said England, right? It was in England, yeah. And this in 2020, this guy was 66 years old. So, I mean, this guy was born in this, the fucking 50s, right? Something like I don't that. Know. This this definitely ties into the UC 40s, Berkeley 50s. thing because that's the only thing that explains all those people killing themselves, jumping off the roof, mass. Like alien influence, yeah, or 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 government experiment, like with some ray gun where they just shoot it in in cahoots with aliens. What? I don't know, man. I mean, this guy's saying there was an alien, there was a UFO landing, and a bunch of blonde people with like basically men in black with blue square patches on them, uh, like conducting this whole experiment. And they were Americans, like so. Americans, mm. blonde, I guess Americans. But it also says they they look like they were from the past or something. Mm. Like uh, it's like this weird time travel, fucking alien. I don't even know. I don't even know. 
This is wild. Yeah. There, the 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 blonde thing is a bit weird. Uh, yeah. and and he said that some of the other men were dressed in quote what he what he calls quote the old battle dress uniform from years ago. So, I mean, are are, are there different abductees or are they different dimensions, different times of people crossing paths in this zombie? Uh, march to uh, like abduction or are, are we trading people are the people that were abducted from decades ago now coming back and other people are going with or is it part of that trade program you know like who knows I don't know. have, you, have you looked up this guy any further to no see if... no i just found him tonight because like what if he's totally full of shit and crazy oh, well most likely <laughs> but who knows man you gotta read his book 44 based on an ex-soldier's true story of lifelong encounters involving alien abduction my god uh co-authored by alien abductee expert joanne summerscales how do you become a abductee expert i don't know but with a name like joanne summerscales <laughs> what else is going to be? You got to be legit. Yeah, that sounds legit. Well, another great expert excerpt from the Tomb of the Promulgated. Thanks. JPX. I had to bust. I, I had to bust out a little glass of wine. I, you don't know this, but whenever you do the excerpts from the Tomb of the Promulgated, I bust out some wine. <laughs> well, I'll try to make them longer so you can drink more. Just suck them down. I've been drinking wine this whole time. Hmm. I only do that during excerpts. Well, I appreciate it. So you are not only the host of uh, award-winning, the award-winning podcast, Post Rhetoric. Mm -hmm. uh, You are also the co-host of Degenerate Life with Code Rhett, Cody Cluen, and Stuntman Mike. Uh, Yep. So what's what's going on with Degenerate Life? How can the people find you? What do you got going on? What's what's on the horizon? What what well, what, what what is it? We have tentative plans for recording an episode next week, but I can't tell if that's actually going to happen. But you know, we're still doing the thing, and you know, uh, post rhetoric. You know, that's that's pretty much dead. You know, but. Ooh. We made all the money that we, we we've made so much money that we all don't, lost we don't need to listeners get 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 on the post rhetoric buzzsprout page or wherever you listen to podcasts and listen to every post rhetoric episode get the numbers way up that's the only way they're going to come back is, is is if they feel good about themselves so oh god get I, the numbers up well, all those have gone. I think they've all expired by now. Like it's it's blank now, I think. No, but no, I just want to say real quick, you said that we stopped because uh, we weren't getting that many listeners. What I said was actually we had, you know, 9 billion, 7 billion, 7 billion listeners. And to us, that's like nothing. You know, we were getting 20 billion an episode. Okay. So to only get like 7 billion, it was, it was like, it was nobody was listening. That's was what I slap, said. It was a slap in the face. 
Yeah. So, you know. Well, no one likes when your numbers go down. Yeah, I can't and- say I blame you, but I do miss I do miss you guys doing an episode about every single one of my episodes. I know. Well, it was it was great while it lasted. And and just what? to say, uh Stuntman Mike, as you know, was supposed to be on this episode, but he is in hot sauce rehab once uh, again. So he was not able to be on this episode. Poor guy. Yeah. But we're getting on like two hours now, dude. So yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here. I got shit to do. Yeah. Well, it was a great episode. It went by really quick for me. It, I, I think this is going to be one of the, the classics. When- All time classics, man. You haven't been on since episode 11. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. And what is this episode? 60. 60- three or something that's crazy yeah, i think it's i think it's 63 that's pretty so, wild yeah. well thanks for being being with me you'll be on again there's plenty of other uh psychedelic stories because you're kind of a psychedelic historian we'll have to have you back on maybe next year yeah i have lots of other psychedelic stories that that aren't quite known that right. are really right. interesting so yeah I would love that. Let's do it, man. Uh, From one non-psychonaut to one half-psychonaut, you're doing doing good work. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And you're doing a great job, too. You are known to the world as the father of modern podcasting. And this (laughs) is why. Tonight was a great episode. And thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. This is my favorite podcast in the whole world. This is the only podcast that really matters. Well, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know what to say, JP X, but <laughs> thanks for being here. We'll have you back on and listen to Degenerate Life. It's a great show. Uh, JPX, the co-host with Cody Cluen, who's also been on the show. Um and stuntman Mike, who has also been on the show, uh, we're just you your children. Yeah, we're, we're your children. Nope, that's not true. Degenerate life actually existed before my show did, but not with yeah, but, you. Not with you. Yeah, not with. It's nothing without you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, love you. All right, love you too, man. Later. All right, bye. Bye. Oh, right there it is. There it was. Me and JPX, man, I, I've known that guy since I was four, since before I started kindergarten. Isn't that wild? Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, what do you think? What do you think happened to these people for real? Was it the drugs? Was it any, just a number of other factors? Was it murder in some cases? I mean, was the murderer on LSD? I don't know. It seems more times than not, like I mentioned in the beginning, they LSD maybe didn't have much to do with a lot of these cases, but was the scapegoat. What do you think? Do you know more than we do? Do you know more than we mentioned? Write me. Tell me new things. Tell, tell me what we missed. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, I think this is the first in maybe an ongoing series with JPX because he's way into psychedelic history. And there's there's different facets of of the history of uh, psychedelia that he wants to to touch on in later episodes. So he'll be back in in a while to to talk more history. 
that's a seems to be a passion of his. Uh, and definitely check out Degenerate Life podcast. Look him up. Uh, I'll post a link in the show notes and listen to post rhetoric. Go back and listen to all those fun episodes they used to do about this show and write them, harass them, tell them to get the show back on the air. Uh, him and Stuntman Mike need to get their shit together, if you ask me. Uh, but that's it this week, everyone. I hope you had a good time. Uh, and I will see you in a couple weeks. Until then, please, everyone, stay sane and stay safe. Fuck Putin. Fuck this war. Fuck Trump. Fuck every American and every person in the world that supports this war.